Well, good morning, Calvary Satterton, and good morning, Calvary Quakertown. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful summer morning. I thought I'd remind you uh, that summer's more than half over, so you better get busy living or soon you're going to be get busy hibernating. So we've only got a few more weeks to think through in our series, how can we get busy living in sync with how God wants us to live? You know, kind of the foundation for this series runs like this. God is not a God of deprivation. He's a God of abundance. But in order to experience that abundance, you've got to live in sync with how God calls us and plans for us and intends for us to live. So we need to get busy living. And part of that means understanding how God wants us to live and then committing ourselves to actually living that out. And so some of the themes that we've looked at, living in unity, living together as a community. We looked at learning to say no to some things that we say yes to in order to create some space in our lives to say yes to what we need to be saying yes to. And last week, Carlos helped us think about about how we can live with God as our shepherd, following him and going to the places and avoiding the places that he calls us to go and avoid. Well, this morning, we're going to look at maybe the hardest part of living as God calls us to live. And just to kind of set you up for that, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. How many of you have ever experienced hurt, pain, being wounded, gossiped about, cheated on, abandoned? How many of you have ever experienced difficulty, pain, hurt from someone else? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you haven't. I'm not sure where you all live, but yeah, almost all of you have. That's good. I don't, I'm, it's not good that you experience pain, but it's good you raise your hand and you're thinking about it because that means this message is for you. Second question. How many of you have wounded someone else, caused pain for someone else, did things you shouldn't have done, said things you shouldn't have said, Um, had attitudes you shouldn't have had, and you brought pain and suffering into someone else's life. Raise your hand. I can't believe there are fewer hands up. That's how deluded you are, right? Well, actually, if you have been the recipient of pain or the sender of pain, this message is for you. We intentionally started the service this morning with that Imagine Dragon song on pain because that's the context in which we live. And most of the pain we experience comes from people. And most of the pain other people experience comes from us. So how can we get rid of, navigate that whole idea concerning pain? Well, we're going to do that by looking at the concept of forgiveness. Forgiving others when they cause us pain, wound us, and bring suffering into our lives. Now, just to make sure that you understand uh, what the topic's all about, we're going to start with some pictures. We're going to try to picture the process. What does picturing forgiveness look like? Uh, Let me uh, tell you a true story about the Zimmerman household, actually the outside of the household. The driveway that leads to the garages at the Zimmermans has a hairpin turn in it. I'm not inviting you any, any of you to come visit, by the way. We have a hairpin turn in the driveway, which means you make your way down, then you've got to make this severe 90-degree turn to the right, and the driveway's not real, real wide. 
Now, for most drivers that are semi-conscious and should have a license, that doesn't present much of a problem. You keep all four tires on the blacktop as you make the turn, no big deal. But every once in a while, some drivers visit us that aren't conscious or should not be on the roads. They can't keep the tires on the blacktop. They ride into the grass on either side. Now, sometimes that's not a problem, particularly if it's dry and the grass, you know, the, is hard. But after a rain or after the snow or when the ground is kind of damp, it's a major problem because now we have ruts in the grass, which means I've got to go out and fix the ruts in the grass. This happened a couple of weeks ago, and I'm kind of ticked off. I go out to keep people on the blacktop. I even permanently have some snow stakes. I don't know what they're really called. You know those stakes in the ground? I hammer them in. Do the snow stakes keep people off the blacktop? No, no, no. They run over the snowflakes. It's not snowflakes. They're snow stakes. They bury them. They snap them off. So I go out a couple of weeks ago. The one snow stake is lying down. I pick it up, and it's kind of not quite broken through, it's hanging by a thread, you know what I mean? So I go into the garage and I get Kim's gardening shears. That's, that's the only tool I've got that can cut this thing. So I go out and uh, you ever try to cut through one of those fiberglass? It's tough, right? So I'm cutting, cutting. Trying. Eventually I cut through it, but in the process, I get a splinter in my thumb from the snow stake. Now I've got a serious dilemma right now. If I tell Kim, she will try to get it out and I will experience great pain. If I don't tell Kim, I can't see it to get it out, the splinter will stay in my thumb and I will experience great pain. So this morning when you leave, do not shake my hand because I'm still trying to get the splinter out of my... No, that's not true. But splinters hurt. And it's going to hurt to get them out. And it's going to hurt if you leave it in. Look at this sucker. I mean, no, the next one. Where do you see this one? I just want to make sure you're all awake. Yeah? Not, not any blood, so I'm good. If there was blood in it, you'd have to come pick me up off the, off the platform. Yeah, splint. When people wound us and hurt us, it's kind of like you want it to go away, don't you? It's kind of like a splinter, right? But here's the point. Just like forgiveness, you've got to do something with the splinter. In order to remove it, there's going to be pain. If you leave it in, there's going to be pain. Have you heard that fanny packs are making a comeback? I'm not joking, right? How many of you are excited about the news that fanny packs are making a comeback? Yeah, none of you. Oh, a couple of you. Yeah, yeah. I wore a fanny pack a few years ago for an entire week at Disney World. Uh, my family wouldn't walk with me during that week. Uh, and when, as soon as we got home, they somehow confiscated and got rid of my fanny pack. But here's another illustration. When people wound you, when they hurt you, when they sin against you, yeah, it's like a splinter, but it's also like a weight. And what you do is you take that weight, or they take that weight, and they put it into your fanny pack. And you kind of carry it around. And if you don't get rid of the weight, if you don't get it out of your life, out of your fanny pack, pretty soon you got a big fanny pack, and then you need a bigger pack. And so then you need a backpack. And, uh, but if you're not careful, pretty soon your backpack accumulates a lot of weights, a lot of hurts, and before you know it, you're like one of these guys carrying a giant pack full of weights around because we experience a lot of hurt. 
People sin against us. They gossip about us. They say things they shouldn't. They wound us. They don't fit our expectations. And all of that hurt doesn't just disappear. We put it into a fanny pack until it gets too heavy. Then we put it into a backpack. And before you know it, we're carrying a giant Sherpa pack up onto the mountain. It's not easy to navigate through life if you're trying to get through life with a giant backpack. You know the Bible tells us? You've got to empty your backpack. That's called forgiveness. You've got to get rid of the splinter. That's called forgiveness. And sometimes people sin against us, and it's kind of a five-pound sin. Maybe they make fun of you. Maybe they say something that was nah, a little hurtful, and you take that five-pound weight and you throw it in the back. But sometimes people uh, hurt us 10 pounds worth, don't they? Maybe uh, they gossip and tell their friends things that are untrue about you. They fill in some details in a very sinister way, and they're twisting and shaping the truth, and you've got 10-pound weights in your backpack. And some of you know what a 45-pound weight's like. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you were abused. Maybe a business partner cheated you, and you live with the consequences, and you're paying enormous debt because of those people's, uh, those people's sin against you. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about removing splinters emptying the backpacks, and getting rid of those things through the process of forgiveness. So if that's picturing forgiveness, how do we understand forgiveness? Well, we've got to have some idea of what forgiveness is and what it's not. Jesus tells us how important forgiveness is because when he teaches us how to pray, right in the middle of the prayer he talks about forgiveness. And he says, we are to pray, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We've got to transact forgiveness, emptying your backpack, getting the splinters out, and allowing or having other people do that for you. And as we do it with others, that's how God's doing that process for us, emptying the backpack, getting rid of splinters. It's a tough process. You know, I was thinking about a prayer, and when a rabbi would teach his disciples how to pray, in a sense, the prayer he taught was something like this. Here's my mission. Here's what I'm all about. Now, you, you, you take that as a thought, and sometime this afternoon or this week, you read through or just think through the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, if you want to know what I'm calling you to, if you want to know, know what the mission is, how about this? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's, that's what God wants. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our... That's all part of the mission, understanding forgiveness. Well, let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-player sport. In order to be reconciled, both parties have to want reconciliation. Forgiveness can be a one-player sport. Reconciliation is always a two-player sport. So it's not, oh, I'm not, I haven't forgiven or I haven't been forgiven because we're not reconciled. No, no, you need two parties for that. Also, forgiveness is not forgetting. You've heard that stupid expression, right? Uh, just forgive and forget. How's that working for you? Hey, here's my problem. I keep remembering, Right? And I try to forget, but then you see the jerk that did that to you again. And lo and behold, they haven't changed at all. They continue to do it. And now you go back and add gross details to what they did before. Forgiveness can't be forgetting. Oh, yeah. 
When God remembers our sins against us, does that mean he forgets? I sure hope our entrance into heaven and acceptance with God, we're not depending on an omniscient God having amnesia concerning our sins. Remember when we talked about remembering? That's what the Bible says. God has dismembered our sin from us, remembered our sin to Jesus, Jesus pays the debt, so now our sin has been separated from us. That's what's going on. It's not forgetting. It's not remembering against us because our sins have all been remembered to Jesus. Well, what does it look like then? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn to Matthew 18, and I'm going to read a really familiar parable. And the parable is all about forgiveness. Jesus loves parables Because stories help us get the point. Now, we're not going to work through the parable in great details. I'm going to read it. You can kind of figure out what's going on. And then I'm going to teach you a process to get the splinters out, to unload your backpack, and to actually forgive people. So that's what we're going to do. Let me read through beginning of verse 21 of Matthew 18. You can put it on your phone, on your iPad, in the Bible. Here we go. Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Yeah, fat chance. The servant's master took pity on him. Look at this. Canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's kind of an interesting episode, isn't it? I always find it kind of ironic that Peter asked the question, Lord, how many times should I forgive people who sin against me? Peter is like a varsity sinner, sinning against everybody in life, sinning against Jesus, sinning against God, but he's concerned about how many times he should forgive people that sin against him. Now, the religious leaders of that day taught that you really should forgive somebody three times. Somebody might forgive them, does it again, forgive them. Now, some of you are thinking, boy, how stingy are you with forgiveness three times? Do you easily forgive people three times? The same offense three times? I mean, we don't even measure up to what the religious leaders taught, right? Three times? 
How easily do you forgive? Just think about it. Um, How easy do you let people off when they offend you and you suffer? When they put a splinter into your hand or into your heart? When all those weights that you're carrying around have been put into your backpack by them, do you let them off? Do you forgive them? Do you get the splinter out and deal with the pain? Do you take out the weight and deal with the pain? Or do you hold that grudge? Do you hold on tightly and not let it go? Peter thinks he's being super generous and says, how about seven times? I don't know about you. Seven is a really hard number to forgive somebody. Jesus does not really give a number. I know he says 77, but Jesus is saying, as often as people sin against you, you need to forgive them. Forgive, every, forgive everyone always. Always be seeking reconciliation. Always be emptying your backpack. Always be taking the splinters out. Dealing with the pain as you take them out. You bear the pain and let other people off. And don't keep count. Well, that's tough, isn't it? And then Jesus tells that parable about somebody who owed 10,000 bags of gold. Right? An enormous amount. Another person owns 100 silver coins. 100 days work. Still a lot of money, but pittance compared to 10,000 bags of gold. Well, what's the process? How do we forgive? Well, I'm going to teach it to you. So here we go. Uh, we'll go through them each other. Here's what we've got to do. Admit, shift, cross, release. Admit, shift, cross, release. Let's say it with me. Admit, shift, cross, release. One more time. Admit, shift, cross, release. How many of you want to close in prayer and go do it? All right, we got, we got a few hands. No, no, no. Let, let, let me tell you what I mean. Here's the process of forgiving. The first thing you have to do is admit, and here's where a bunch of us drop the ball. When I say you have to admit, you have to admit that the person hurt you. Admit that you're experience, experiencing pain. Admit you've got a splinter. Admit that person contributed enormous weight to the backpack. We often at this point say, well, it really wasn't that bad. I'm not really hurt. You know what? I don't deserve any better. You'll never forgive if you make light of the pain. You've got to admit that the person sinned against you. And maybe that means even saying, you know, what you said wounded me. It hurt Um, you've got to admit the suffering and the pain. If you don't start there, you're never going to forgive. That's why we started the service with the song Pain. You've got to admit there's pain or you're never going to get rid of the splinter. You're never going to empty the backpack. And right there, it's where our superficial kind of pretending Christianity comes in and we think, well, we're supposed to live above the pain, right? Right? We're not supposed to let other people wound us. And so if I live above the pain, nobody really hurt me. You didn't mean it. I'm not hurting that bad. If you live there, you're never going to forgive. In the story, the guy that, was, uh, the guy that lent the money, 10,000 bags of gold and 100, or 100 silver coins, they had to admit that, they were, that the person was not paying it back. He knew that 10,000 bags of gold were not going to be repaid. The other guy that didn't forgive, he knew 100 silver coins were not getting repaid. You've got to begin with admitting. But then secondly, you have to shift. Now, 
Don't make light of the admitting thing, right? We're only doing this for time because you want to be out to go to lunch, I know. But you've got to admit, admit your suffering, admit they caused you pain, maybe have that conversation and say, I was wounded, I was hurt, you know, no, no defensiveness. Say, But eventually, you need to shift, and rather than using your binoculars and microscopes, to examine all that the other person has done against you, you need to shift and put up a mirror to your own heart and ask the second question that I asked you earlier. What pain, suffering, heartache have you caused in the lives of others and ultimately to God? If you don't make that shift, you'll never forgive. Because here's why. Other people really are jerks. Other people shouldn't have done that, and sin stinks. And there are consequences, and the wounds are real, and the hurts are real. And if you focus on your pain, if you focus on that, on that person doing it to you, you're never going to forgive. So admit the suffering, but then you've got to shift. And the shift means you focus to what you've done, and, that's in, and in the parable, that's what that forgiven servant never does. He's been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. He goes, totally forgets that, right? He has amnesia on his giant debt being forgiven. He finds somebody that owns him, owes him 100 silver coins. He starts choking. I want my money. I can't pay you. He chokes the guy, sells him as a slave, throws him into prison until he can repay. He's not very smart. He's in prison. How's he going to pay? And he puts him in prison. He totally forgot his debt that was paid. We need to put the mirror up. And our hearts are so twisted, we probably need a little help with that. That's why uh, Psalm 139 has a really good verse for you. Psalm 139.23 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. You need to do inventory, and so do I. Admit the pain, step one, shift, put the mirror up. Take a minute in your prayer time. It'll revolutionize how you pray. Admit the pain and then shift. Ask God to search you. And just be quiet. Just be still. And you know what? He'll start showing you things, right? Because you've done quite a bunch of sinning yourself. What pain have you caused? Think of the 10,000 bags of gold. Here's the point. It's not that other people are less sin, or sin less than we do. That's not the point. The point of 10,000 bags of gold and 100 silver coins, the point of the log and the speck is this. In comparison to what you know of your own sin, you know a fraction of anybody else's sin. Isn't that right? It's not saying that the one guy or that you sin 10,000 times more than someone. That's not the point. The point is, you know 10,000 times better your sin than you know anybody else's sin. You and I only see a tiny slither of other, pieces, of other people's sin. We know our sin in great detail. We just live life trying to ignore it. 
What's the, diff- what's the log in the speck? It's not that one guy sends a log and one guy sends a speck. No, we know our logs a whole lot better than the specks of someone else. We know our 10,000 bags of sin a whole lot better than we know 100 silver coins of someone else's sin. The problem is we focus on the 100 silver coins in the speck rather than the log and the 10,000 bags of gold. And if you never make the shift, you're never going to forget. So you take time and admit Admit what you're suffering, admit the pain. The person shouldn't have done it. Injustice is real, sin hurts, and shift. Ask God to help. If you need help, ask people close to you. Ask to your spouse. Ask your spouse, she'll help. Ask your parents, ask your kids, ask your friends. Shift, and you will soon discover 10,000 bags worth of sin and 100 silver coins of sin. Shift. Well, thirdly, cross. We sang this too. Where his love ran red and my sin washed white. The point of the parable is this. If the guy that was forgiven 10,000 bags of gold was thinking about his debt being canceled, he would have easily released the guy who owed him a hundred silver coins. But he forgot the 10,000 bags of gold. He forgot the debt being canceled. All he thinks about is the jerk that owes him a hundred silver coins and how he's not paying and his life is now impoverished. His his cost of, you know, his living expenses are really being... um, strangled a little bit because he could use that hundred silver coins as long as he's focusing on his hurt or the other person he's never going to be able to forgive him god just didn't wave his hands and forgive you and me our ten thousand bags of sin it cost him the life of his son to forgive us of our sin so when you shift and think of your sin and you move to the cross the price God paid to pay your debt, you will then be able to release people that sin against you. And here's the ironic thing. When you release people who've sinned against you, you're actually releasing yourself, right? When you remove the splinter You're releasing the splinter, but you're releasing the pain. It's going to hurt to get it out, but you're releasing yourself. When you take the stuff out of the backpack, you're releasing yourself from being under the burden of the backpack. Do you know what a philanthropist is? A philanthropist is somebody who gives away lots and lots and lots of money. Some of you think, I'd like to meet one of these guys. Um, What's required in order to be a philanthropist? Well, you need to uh, have knowledge of what someone needs. You have to love and care for the person or the organization that is going to meet the needs of people. Oh, yeah. And you have to have lots and lots of money. You can't be a philanthropist if you're dead broke. You need lots of money, you need love, and you need information. And if you have those three, you give it away. You don't hoard it, you give it away. What does it take to be a forgiver? Information. Admit. Shift. 
cross. Love for the other person, recognizing that God loves you, and an enormous well of forgiveness. You see, we can't forgive other people in and of ourselves, so God gives us a reservoir of forgiveness. He forgives us 10,000 bags of sin, and it says now as you go through life, people are going to sin against you 100 silver coins worth. Well, if you're thinking about the 10,000 bags of sin that you've been forgiven, you'll be able to forgive those people 100 silver coins of any sin against you. But I guarantee you, if you don't admit, shift, cross, you're never going to release. That's how you do it. So what's the process of forgiveness? It kind of goes like this. Admit, shift, cross, release. Let's say that again. Ready? Admit, shift, cross, release. Easy to say. Really hard to do. Forgiveness is always hard. You think it's easy? Take a look at the cross. That's what it took to bring forgiveness to you. So this week, you may forget, so you may want to jot them down, type them into your phone. Here's the homework. Admit, shift, cross, release. And you know what's pretty exciting? When we come together next Sunday, our backpacks are going to be a little smaller. We're going to have a few less splinters than we have today. Other people will be released and experience the gospel as we learn to admit, shift, cross, release. Let's stand and pray. Father, it's easy to say four words. Admit, shift, cross, release. But behind every one of those words is a lot of work and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do the courageous thing and the right thing. To admit that other people sin against us and it really hurts. To shift our thinking to our sin, the hurt that we've caused others, and most importantly, the hurt that we've caused you. Move to the cross where we see your love and your grace poured out for us as you paid the price we deserve to pay. And just as you've released us from the consequences and the debt we owe, may we continue what Jesus started and release other people from the debt that they owe us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.